Uh, we're going to go ahead and actually start the podcast now. I'm Caleb Giddings, and you guys are watching Gun Day Brunch. Thank you so much for tuning in. As usual, Gun Day Brunch is brought to you by Taurus USA and Guns.com. If you're looking for information on affordable firearms for personal protection and home defense, go ahead and head to TaurusUSA.com. Additionally, you can check out our just-launched product, the new Judge Toro, the Taurus Optics Ready Option. That's right. We took a 410 shotgun slash 45 Colt revolver and we put a dot on it. Why? Because we can. That's why. We're going to put dots on everything. We're going to put dots on every gun you can imagine. It's going to have a red dot on it by the time I'm done here. But in all seriousness, go ahead and go to TaurusUSA.com to check those out. And if you'd like to buy one of those guns, you can click the link on the product page to go directly to our friends at guns.com and purchase one. They'll, they'll buy it. It'll get shipped to your FFL dealer. You'll go there. You'll do background checks. It'll be great. You'll have a wonderful time, and you'll end up with another gun. Now, without further ado, that brings me to today's episode. Uh, if you are watching this, you might recognize my guest, Melody. She previously did uh, very graciously filled in for us for a couple of episodes interviewing our mutual friend, Chris Seipert. Uh, Jack and Keith are on their honeymoon now. Uh, you may remember from last week's episode that they had gone to Tahiti to elope. They are now on an extended honeymoon. And again, we wish them all the best and hope nothing but wonderful times for them. So... Now that I've gotten all of the pre-show stuff out of the way, Melody, uh, it occurs to me that I probably should have reversed the order of these episodes, and we should have filmed this before you interviewed Chris, because I did get a few comments of people asking, uh, who the hell is that? So <laughs> why don't you tell the lovely people out there uh, who the hell you are and why we should care? Oh, my name is Melody Bauer. Thank you for the fantastic intro. Um, I have been in the industry for just about 17 years now. Um, I've been a firearms instructor since, um, I don't even remember when, many, many years ago. But um, I am the owner of Citizens Defense Research, which is a training company that travels nationally to teach things like, um, you know, concealed carry skills for parents, as well as a technical handgun. Uh, I've got a couple people working for me, including Chris who was in the interview of the last two weeks. Um, he does our fourth on force class as well as our home defense class. We got Ross and also you uh, work with us as well, your revolver stuff. So we are all over the country doing all sorts of stuff. If it has anything to do with self-defense, I have dabbled within it over the last 20 years, but my specialty really is handguns. So I've done jujitsu, I've done knife training, um, done Krav Maga. Like I said, if if there's anything that has to do with self-defense, I've definitely dabbled in it. But handguns is where I specialize, mostly because that's what we carry most often. That's what I've trained with the most, and that's what most tra training is available for. You actually have a, uh, a very impressive training resume, and I think you're selling yourself short a little bit, because if there is a <laughs> If there's a significant, if there's a well-known instructor out there, you, you've trained with them. And I mean, Range Master, Craig Douglas, uh, you've taken a Langdon class, friggin', uh, you've trained with Scott Jedlinski, yep. uh, me, not that I'm like on the level of those guys, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, Greg Elifritz, it, yeah, Greg Elifritz, right? Like I would run out of fingers trying to run through the well-known national level trainers that you've trained with and you have see, accumulated, sure. the, a, a, see, <laughs> I, 
I don't even, obviously I don't know your training resume, but it's, it's significant and it's important. And it's important for the people who are watching and listening because when people like Melody and not just Melody, but when people like Melody who have these very significant training resumes talk, there's a reason that you should listen to them. And it's that they have actually put in the work, you know, it's not like, it's not like you just, you know, went on a gun forum and read a bunch of posts by other people who had trained. You've actually put in the work. You've pressure tested a lot of these things for yourself. And to your point, you have lived with a gun, you know, every day for how long have you been carrying a gun for, Melody? Well, I started carrying a gun. I, well, yeah, I actually got my permit. I turned 21 and I got my permit to carry one month after my birthday because I, I had to be 21 to submit my application and I got my permit one month. I got it back four weeks after my 21st birthday and I am now 38. So you do the math. Uh, I'm not very good at math. Um, and <laughs> so for, I'm really not, it's one of, it's, you know, one of those sad things. Now for the people out there who are listening, before we get into the meat of this episode, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. What was your first carry gun again? Oh, no, this is great because I actually really like talking about this because okay. it was the best, it was the best mistake I ever made. And it was, it was such a terrible mistake. It was a Kimber Ultra Carry oh. uh, stainless, a Kimber Ultra, Ultra Carry stainless in 40 Smith & Wesson. It, it was, was a 40? It wasn't even a 45? It was a 40. It wasn't a 45 and it was the worst gun ever. It was terrible. So it was awful. Not only was it light, it had mm -hmm. tremendous recoil. Uh, it was and, awful. And it didn't work because it was a no. ultra carry. You could not you could not get two rounds to that gun without it malfunctioning. Oh my goodness. That is actually it was awful. I so because I, I know we've talked about this in the past before. Uh, a little bit of backstory. Melody and I have been I've been aware of Melody online since pro for about a decade, and we've been like personal friends for friggin' almost as long. And we've talked about the uh, we've talked about your gun, your terrible guns before. Um, but in my head, I thought it was a forty-five because no, that at least would have maybe run. But an ultra carry, good lord, an ultra carry forty. So yeah. what's so funny a terrible is gun. I've actually I've actually had so I have had a total of four Kimbers. Half of them, 50%, like literally 50% of them were absolute garbage and 50% of them were perfect. Like they ran like freaking clockwork. Um, but the ones that worked really well were 45. That is, that is a key. And all of them were pre-series twos, mm. the ones that worked really well. And I've actually had a lot of Kimbers that were pre-series two that worked. I mean, like I, they've gone through my hands, right? Or, or I've, you know, I used to work in gun stores and gun ranges as well. So I used to, I used to be responsible for cleaning and testing um, all the uh, the range guns, so the rentals. And so I, I've spent a lot of time with pretty much any gun that you can think of that's that's on the market. And um, pre-series two Kimbers were awesome, but the yeah. series two and beyond. But the reason why that Kimber, despite the fact that it was an absolute piece of crap, was that it was such a learning experience for me. And it was, and it the thing that I loved about it the most was it was my decision. I picked that gun, mm. and um, I went the day I got it to the range to test it. And that's when I learned that it was such a piece of crap. And I, I went through the steps to try to contact Kimber and get it fixed. And I sent it out to Gunsmith. And 
what I loved about that experience is there's so many people who buy a gun, right? And they they bring it home and they're like, okay, now I'm now I'm good, right? I got mm-hmm. I got the thing. And even if they do go and test it and they find out that it's not working, I've actually had people in my classes who they can't get through a magazine without without malfunctions and they go, ah, okay, well, I guess this is okay. And I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is not, it's not okay. okay. No. And um, please, please don't do that. I, yeah, exactly. So it, it really illustrated to me when I look back at that time, I wasn't at one, I went immediately and tested it. As soon as it was not reliable to my standards, I went through all of the steps to get it fixed. And when it still did not perform to my standards, I got rid of it and I got something mm-hmm. else. And what was had your I not gun? gone, my, my second com- gun was a Wilson Combat Professional in 45. That is a significant, hey, okay, guys, I just want you to like, <laughs> if you're going to upgrade, that's how you upgrade. You go from a Kimber, and I'm not throwing shade at Kimber. I have a, I have a really good friend who works over there, and I think that the mm-hmm. uh, current version, and just as like a, a side note, current version of Kimber is actually making some really awesome guns, and they tend to work. Um, it's one of those where that transition from early Kimber to middle-aged Kimber to current Kimber was tough. Um, but yeah, going from a Kimber Ultra carry in 40 to a Wilson professional is a significant upgrade. And guess what? The Wilson Combat Professional ran like a like a freaking charm. I still have that gun. I'm I carried that gun for over six years. Um, I still am very, very nostalgic about that gun. I'm trying to think back on I went through a lot of training with that gun. I'm trying to think back if I ever had a single problem with that gun. Now it was heavy. I mean mm-hmm. Heavy. How long did you but do the 1911 it, thing for? Was that, did you? That was about, so I did the 1911 thing and I was, I am, I have a deep abiding love for 1911s um, and we can get into that if you want to, but uh, you know, 1911s were the gun that I learned on. That was the, the first gun that I ever bought. That was actually the first gun that I ever shot when I was little, like when I was a kid was a, was a 1911. So there's a lot of mm. nostalgia there as well. And um, really, the only thing that took me away from 1911s was when I had kids and I started training more one-handed, I just did not have the recoil control with one hand that I did with two hands. So, I mean, I was fine with two hands with a 45, but when I started shooting one-handed, I was like, eh, I, I just don't have the recoil control I would like. So I went to a nine millimeter Glock and I have stayed on the Glock platform since then. I'm not really a, a like I'm not one of those people who gets the new gun, you know. Like I'm I'm not right. I, don't, I don't chase different guns. Now I've chased different, and I say chased. I've I've transitioned from like irons to a dot. I've had different uh, Glocks. I, I have a Glock 17 that has a grip chopped to a 19 grip length, um, and that has that's like basically I carried that for a while. It has a it has a red dot. It has a weapon mounted light. It has all. I know the a lot of people who tried it. to steal that gun from you. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bore fight. All of my Glocks are bore fight modified, modified. So I've got, you know, the 48, that's what I'm carrying right now. It's a bore fight modified 48 with a red dot, with a hollow sun red dot on it. So I've gone through a series of Glocks since I switched to Glocks from 1911s, but I've not gone through like, oh, now I'm going to try HK. Now I'm going to try. No, I have, there have been times like when I was pregnant or something 
or if I'm wearing a cocktail dress or I'm doing, you know, I will, I will wear guns that fit those environments. Like I, I did carry a revolver for a while when I was pregnant because I could carry that more easily in a shoulder holster. I, um, I have a little teeny tiny Caltech that is my, basically my bra gun, my, my cocktail dress gun. That's what I will, that's what I will put on if I'm, you know, wearing a dress that you don't get to, there's not many secrets in. <laughs> So I'll go that small, but that is definitely, that is definitely a problem unique to, uh, (laughs) you people that we don't have, but I do want to, I, I want to, I want to, uh, pivot back to something. So you talked about caring while pregnant. You talked about caring with kids and technically that's the title of this episode is concealed carry tips for parents. And I actually want to keep this, uh, to borrow a phrase from the current zeitgeist, gender neutral, because there's a whole different conversation around concealed carry while pregnant or baby wearing mm-hmm. or things like that. And, you know, I've actually talked about concealed carry while baby wearing because I have, you know, carried my kid around in a, a, a friggin' backpack thingy. Uh, it's called like a, I want to say it's called a Tula. Uh, they're freaking sweet. Uh, if you have a child, yes. what are you laughing at me for? It is called hey, a Tula. Hey. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's it's because I'm bougie, isn't it? It's like the bougie. No, 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 no. It's it's just funny when when people are like, because I I actually um I I also worked at a parenting center, so this is where kind of like this whole thing got born out of. I worked at a parenting center at the same time that I worked at a gun store. So I would work in the gun store in the morning and I I was pregnant. I would work in the gun store in the morning. I would go to the parenting center in the afternoon. And that's the mental switch I had to make between like, all right, man, let's talk about like this HK and let's talk about, you know, what kind of accuracy you want out to 25 yards. And then I'd have to switch over and be like, oh, you know, you're having mastitis problems. I understand. So the 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 switch I had to make was was always very jarring like I had to like Mm, get myself out of gun store mode and into like parenting center mode so the parenting center I worked at we taught baby wearing classes and so we had all the we had the wraps we had the tulas we had all this so like we had all the baby wearing stuff and we also did breastfeeding classes we did child birthing classes uh we did small small children like early childhood development classes and stuff so that's where kind of my my love and I mean my love for parenting of course came out of the fact that I wanted to be a good parent um and I knew I really 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 wanted to do all of the things that I was learning in regards Mm -hmm. to attachment style parenting and you know being immediately responsive to my children but I also wanted to be armed and um that was also a very interesting transition because it was very it was very obvious to me that there was a great divide between the gun culture the gun store world and the parents and the the you know attachment style parenting world and it was like ne'er ne'er shall the twain meet I don't know what the hell attachment style parenting is, what that is. Well, which is funny because I know that you practice it. So it's things like, you know, being immediately responsive to your child's needs. You know, um, a lot of times people associate it with things like co-sleeping, baby wearing. So it's that, hey, I am, I am going to be immediately responsive to my child's needs. A child does not cry because they're manipulating you. They're crying because they're communicating to you. Um, it's just a, a way of responding to your child hmm. 
in a way that is immediately responsive and supportive instead of shaming, you know, like, why are you crying? Um, you know, put them, put them in their own room. If they're crying too much, they're manipulating you, put, put them in their own room until they stop crying, that kind of stuff, which, which we have, I mean, we have eons of, of data now that suggests that people who are more responsive to their child have what have children that develop what's called a secure attachment, which if you're at all into psychology at all, you have heard about things like secure attachment, insecure attachments, um, avoidant attachment styles, preoccupied attachment styles, and kids who, it turns out that kids who have their needs met and have loving, attentive parents usually end up with a little bit more secure attachments than kids who are left to try it out. So. Wild madness, even you tell me right? kids that are loved by their parents turn out okay. Crazy talk, crazy. I know talk. it's amazing. Uh, welcome to my gun podcast, where we're talking about <laughs> parenting styles. But to drag this conversation a little bit closer to what we want to talk about, so yeah, there's we we can have a really in depth conversation about concealed carry tips for parents, things like that. And I think that a podcast, a short form podcast, especially, isn't necessarily the right place to do it. And if you guys want more information on this stuff, uh, Melody has a class that is currently called the Armed Parent slash Guardian, which we've talked about the name. I still don't like it, um, but it what it boils down to essentially is a concealed carry for parents or a concealed carry for people who are responsible for another human being and especially a human being that may not be willing capable or uh, willing or capable of defending itself uh, is sort of how I would summarize it but a way to sell it on the internet would be concealed carry for parents but what we're going to do and for more information on those you can go to citizensdefenseresearch.com uh, or you'll find us on Eventbrite and follow us for upcoming class dates but what we're going to do instead is we're going to do some quick hits, all right? So uh, highlight, big picks, okay? Uh, we're going to run through some topics, and I want to get your thoughts on them, and kind of just – and just I, I want people, especially, you know, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, dads and moms, who we carried a gun before we, carry, before we had kids, but now we're still carrying guns, and we have had to make adjustments – to how we carry a gun to, in some cases, the type of guns that we carry, things like that. I found that uh, having a child actually made me move away from AIWB carry all the time because my kid likes to, even when he's not in a carrier or something like that, he likes to be held on the front of my body. And that is an extremely difficult spot to at, try to clear a concealment garment with a 35 pound child and access a gun. Whereas carrying a gun in traditional strong side IWB or OWB, I can still very easily access my gun from that position, strong hand only without having to worry about some of the other factors. So that's just an example of how things work. But all right, so topic number one, uh, give me your thoughts on... And this is my favorite one, off-body carry, because Ooh, this is applicable uh, yeah. for both. This is applicable, and dads, before you freaking tune out to this, I have gone places with my son and had a backpack or a diaper bag or something like that, and I'm like, mm -hmm. could I put a gun in here? And I'm like, I could, but here's why I don't put a gun in a diaper bag. Yeah, Um. so... And this is something that it's really easy for me to get really passionate about it because I have, I have done this. I've I've done a actual, real studies on how to do this safely around kids. And 
the bottom line is, and this is not me just trying to be hyperbolic, the bottom line is, is I believe that carrying a gun in a bag around children is negligent. I just do. Um, and the evidence that I have been able to come up with supports that. Um, if you are around children, the most responsible place for you to have your gun is on your body or locked in a safe. And there's really not a good uh, place in between. Now, does, the, does that mean that you should never carry off body? No. I think that there are times that you can safely carry off body um, if, you're, if, if it's going to be for a short period of time and you're going someplace where it's not expected that there's going to be children present. Um, you know, if you're going out with your your husband to a nice dinner for a couple of hours and you're, you know, in a beautiful cocktail dress and you just want to have your gun in your purse or something like that, fine. No problem with that. But if that is your primary mode of carry and it is around children, I, I'm a big believer that it's negligent. And um, guns absolutely do not belong in diaper bags, period, full stop. Because the diaper bag goes with the kids. I've actually, I used to be in a group in a group of moms who um, kind of were new to carry and the number of stories of people who left guns in diaper bags when they dropped the diaper bag off at the nannies or the daycare mm. was higher than one, you know, um, which that should just not happen. I mean, our rule number five at CDR is keep your firearm inaccessible to unauthorized individuals, your nanny, your daycare provider, whatever, is an unauthorized individual. And if they're not trained to that level, even if it's not another kid getting access to it, it's just it's just a recipe for disasters. So um, guns in bags can be too easily forgotten or overlooked and um, far too many kids. Uh, there's actually, I'll have to find the study, in the United States, every single week, a child injures themselves or somebody else because they found a, an unsecured firearm. Yeah, I guarantee you the vast majority of those are found in cars or bags. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's one of those news stories that whenever I see it, it just it it makes my blood pressure go up, and I really can't afford for my blood pressure to go up any higher than it already is. Uh, it breaks my it, heart. Like I, I have to struggle with like getting teary every time I read one of those because it's so unnecessary. And it to me, there is no greater tragedy than the thing that you purchase to protect you and your family is the instrument of harm to your yeah. family. I absolutely. I, I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind would disagree with that. Which does interestingly lead us into kind of the next question about uh, concealed carry around children is when is so, you know, we see a lot of questions about when should you start teaching your child about gun safety? And it's almost always, it almost always has a number associated with it, an age, you know, when they're four, it's appropriate. When they're six, it's appropriate or whatever. And I actually, I disagree with that because I think that the time that it is appropriate to start teaching your child about gun safety is a developmental question. It's when are they capable of understanding concepts like stop, don't touch, get an adult, things like that? Well, this is a two-part thing, right? Because whenever we talk about teaching kids about gun, gun safety, we're thinking primarily about them handling or touching guns, mm -hmm. which is an entirely separate thing from they just are living with guns, right? Oh, yeah. So if, if you're carrying a gun and you have babies, guess what? they're going to be exposed to guns. I mean, literally there was a, there was a gun at every single one of my children's births. And Only the one. first time, 
<laughs> hey, it's kind of hard to be caring while giving birth. I'm just saying. Um, Would know. <laughs> so when, and I've got some of my very favorite pictures that I absolutely love are me nursing my children while they're like laying on top of my gun. So my kids, there's actually one picture I have where I'm nursing Rayland and he has his hand and he has his hand on the grip of my gun and he's just feeling the texture of of my grip texture because it's, it's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And he's nursing and just like playing, playing with the grip of my gun. That's an exposure to guns, right? And, but now is he expected to, is he expected to use it? Is he expected to know? No, of course not. But He's obviously has, and all of my kids have had exposure to firearms. And so there's two entirely different things right now. One, that all of the firearms that my children were exposed to when they were that little were on my body. This was something that like mom was a source of food and comfort, but she always had a gun. So that that was not unusual for them. And so what we needed to learn at those developmental ages as they started talking and stuff was um you know and when when there'd be a a few times like someone would try and like grab it or pull on it because guess what their kids are handsy and they're curious and it would just be a matter of redirecting them like no you know you don't get to you don't get to touch that like that's mommy's you know um but there was nothing like shameful about it and then it was also as they started getting to the age where they could talk being like okay we don't talk about mommy's gun right like and there was you you talked about picking up picking up uh your son and him you know like your gun being appendix i i once picked up rayland and i was holding him and he sat right on my appendix gun and we were in a we were in a, a culvers which is basically a fast food place and he goes mom your gun is crushing my apples <laughs> and so we're in the middle of this like lobby and everyone's and i'm like oh that's that's hilarious you know Good job, it kid. Just, it was just it was just one of those things. But in general, it was like, hey, guns are like private parts. We don't talk about private parts in public. You know, oh, if you have any questions. I'm dealing with me. both of those right now as a parent. <laughs> right. uh, the private part one and the gun one. Um, the other day so I then, came back from the range oh, and my son was like, Daddy, is that your gun? And I'm like, we're in the house. But it was the first time he'd ever noticed it, right? Because mm-hmm. I had it on, I had an OWB holster and I'd been wearing a, a vest over it and I took my vest off and he and it was the first time he had like noticed it was there and i was like yes it is uh we need to figure out a strategy for dealing with this because i don't want to be like out in public and have him be like daddy do you have your gun no gee shut the heck lower your voice now uh it's it's like we had those conversations with like my i actually got shamed by my daughter for carrying a little gun once which was kind of funny but those are the conversations that i think that people so there's the two conversations, right? The are you ready to handle a firearm? But then how, because here's here's where I think a lot of people who don't regularly carry a gun don't have to deal with with children is they don't have to deal with the questions. Like as you're getting your gun on, your your child seeing it and go, why do you carry a gun? Mm-hmm. Man, that's a really big conversation to have with a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Yeah. You or know, like we have- or- we, yeah, we have difficulty having those conversations with adults sometimes, but sitting down with a two-year-old without and, and appropriately explaining to them, this is why mommy or this is why daddy carries a gun. And these this is the responsibility without terrifying them, right? Or without yeah. setting them up for something or without making it weird. 
You know, yeah. like that's entirely separate from the, okay, now are you ready to handle a gun and what should you do before you're ready to can't? And, and that's when we get into the conversation of stop, you know, don't touch, leave the area, right. call an adult, which I think is an absolutely perfect, like God bless the NRA for coming up with that one because it's a, it's oh, a yeah. fantastic way to, to prepare young children for what to do Anytime. if they come across a gun. And that's really like, I, I love, and so for people who aren't familiar with the NRA's guidelines, it's basically the idea that at any age up until your child is mature enough to handle a gun safely, which means clear it out, keep it pointing in a safe direction, all of that, uh, the what the NRA teaches is stop, don't touch, get an, get an adult. And what some of my friends and what I firmly believe in is you also create for that child a list of adults that they can get because mm. I don't want if you know if my son finds a gun I don't want him just grabbing some random adult who may not know any more about clearing a gun out than my son does you know he knows to get me or you know the the idea is you teach him to get someone that you know is going to be responsible or at least in theory will be responsible like a police officer or something like that you know and I say the in theory part not to dog on cops but I've seen some pretty atrocious gun handling out there guys now before well, we and continue, we also know oh Sorry, no, no, I was yeah. say, we also know that kids who are actually exposed to guns when they're little are better at abiding by those kinds of rules than kids who are completely, um, uh, completely like basically never exposed to firearms at all. Yeah, they're just, yeah. much better at following those rules and and actually stopping other kids and being like, hey, no, we're not supposed to touch that. We're supposed to go and find someone. Yeah, I'm going to end uh, part one of this episode with the, my first semi-controversial statement of the day, which is abstinence-only education doesn't work. And it doesn't work when it comes to sex. It doesn't work when it comes to drugs. It doesn't work when it comes to booze. And it doesn't work when it fucking comes to guns. Children, teenagers are curious. And if you make something mysterious and spooky, they're going to want to do the thing even more. You can ask me how I know, but not in public because that's a completely different conversation for a completely different time. Now, guys, that wraps up part one of this interview with Melody. We will be back next week with part two discussing more concealed carry tips for parents. In the meantime, I'd like to thank everybody for liking, sharing, subscribing, watching, and listening, and doing all of those things that you do to grow the channel. Make sure if you do subscribe to us on YouTube, you go ahead and hit the notification bell so that when a new episode drops, you get a notification about it. That being said, that's not super necessary because new episodes basically drop every Sunday at midnight and have for like the last two years now. So we're on a pretty good track record with keeping that going. But again, thank you, everybody. And we will be back next week with part two of Concealed Carry Tips for Parents.